going to start recording. Excellent. Well, Anatoly, thank you so much for taking time for this interview. We're super excited to have you on board. Um, can you maybe mention your, your current role and then your company? Yeah, likewise. Uh, nice to meet you, um, Misha. Uh, my name is Anatoly Chekanov, and I'm currently Director of uh, uh, Information Security at NLX uh, North America. And essentially, uh, I specialize working particularly with our e-mobility division, where I see cybersecurity not only in North America, but also on the global level. I understand. Um, excellent. Mm -hmm. And kind of, can you talk a little bit how you got into cybersecurity, maybe some of your previous roles, how to get in, how did you get into this space? Yeah. Um, so actually my background is uh, maybe somewhat of a typical one where I came in cybersecurity from IT, but uh, the way it sort of evolved into this world is to start working in financial services. And the financial services, as many of you are aware, is a highly audited field. And uh, I was actually working quite a lot with auditors, uh, helping with security matters. And then as a few rounds of consolidations following the financial crisis, I sort of ended up with responsibility for the security. And I kind of didn't really initially realize that I was really doing security work, just working on the, your typical network firewalls, user access and all those things. And then, and then after a while, I said, well, I enjoy working on this stuff. I enjoy doing it, helping people, mentoring mm -hmm. people. And I kind of switched over full time. And, and started working more towards security angle of things. And then I went over and worked at the Myers-Briggs company, the security architect on the full time. So kind of came in, building a security program, um, uh, putting them on a remote map, working with the clients, the customers, internal stakeholders, and essentially kind of continued my career full time in security. Mm -hmm. I understand. Um, well, as you probably know, there was a pretty dramatic shortage of cybersecurity executives uh, when I was at RSA last year, that's probably one of the biggest issues everyone was talking about. So uh, as a result, there was a lot of kind of junior professionals, whether in IT or cybersecurity, get, they're looking to make a career um, uh, out of this, or maybe even students who are kind of considering their various kind of job paths. Um, what would you recommend? What would you kind of advise them to do? What is something you wish you knew when you were just starting? Um, I would really honestly advise the students to keep an open mind. Uh, one of my recommendations that I give people is to take a look at uh, Google. There's a sort of uh, information security mind map. And essentially it gives you like an outline, like a tree looking outline of how many areas there are. And one of the things that I noticed is that everybody associates cybersecurity, particularly at the university entry level, as kind of like, you know, we have to go your typical SOC analyst role, and this is what we should be focusing on, threat hunting, all that. Now, if you enjoy doing that, that's great. That's fine. That's absolutely a valid pathway towards cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. But cybersecurity is vast. I mean, you have the whole GRC aspect of things. You have the new identity management aspect of things. You have the audit stuff. You have the security engineering. I uh, have security architectures. You have security operations. And all of those, like, and, and even the newer roles that are coming up, there's a lot of roles coming up in terms of the customer focus roles, you know, where you're mm -hmm. representing the internal organization to the external stakeholders, your potential customers, that's more of a sales uh, solutions engineering roles. And, you know, all those roles, they're out there, uh, but that's not kind of the focus where, like, you know, a lot of people focus on. Everybody kind of looks at the typical threat hunting, uh, SOC analyst type of role. And my biggest recommendation is keep an open mind, try different things. Uh, your pathway might be 
I would say, easier if you try different things and uh, be open to trying different things. And you can always transition later on because, for example, uh, my graduate degree was in marketing of all things. And I ended up working in IT and then switching over to security. So it's like you, you come from different backgrounds, everybody. And uh, just try different things, see what works and kind of keep an open mind. Uh, I would recommend probably not... Uh, necessarily focusing extensively on uh, technical certifications because those things change and, and different vendors have different platforms. Uh, mm -hmm. But try to understand the overall business processes of how they work within security. That is one of those things that a lot of people come in, they're highly technical, they're highly capable, but how do you take your technical expertise and how do you talk to your product management? How do you talk to your IT operation folks? Because their viewpoints, their concerns are totally different from yours. And you need to be able to understand that at the end of the day, uh, security is not a money generating business unless you're a security firm, right? Uh, you are essentially protecting the risk of your organization, make sure the organization can continue making money doing what they do in those existing processes, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to understand the business aspect and how business operates in order to make sure that security is a frictionless partner versus uh, saying, okay, we'll have all those guidelines that we need to have, we have this news guidance, we have the security controls. Well, how do you apply those controls to make sure that the business keeps on moving at the speed that the business needs to move? Those are the things that I would recommend to for incoming students to make sure that you know you take some business classes, understand how also how the business works, mm -hmm. make sure you have those perspectives because those business skills and the soft skills will be extremely useful to you in addition, obviously, to your technical understanding of things as well. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned that because in our previous conversations, kind of this theme uh, already kind of was voiced because in certain companies, the business leaders complain that, that cybersecurity, uh, that uh, information security department is where, where innovation and ideas go, go to die. So essentially, they, because all they hear is no, 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 that these are the reasons why we cannot do that. And to your point, uh, a very kind of much healthier perspective is to see yourself as an enabler, how to enable transformation in a secure way rather than just to say no right off the bat. It just um, it's, would be too exposing, um, kind of dismiss any new initiatives with this regard. So it's actually very interesting because it, it seems like it's a recurring theme, um, how to make cybersecurity um, as a function uh, in a business and a company um, enabling rather than preventing or stopping and kind of innovation transformation. That's, um, that's super helpful. Um, also, I'm wondering, because there are certain themes that are kind of top of mind for a lot of professionals, like, I you know, ransomware is probably one, migration to the cloud. But from your vantage point, if we look kind of into the future, if you have like this crystal ball uh, that you could see what would keep people up at night 12 months from now, what are some of the, what will be kind of your top three emerging um, challenges or emerging threat vectors or uh, issues that you see will uh, keep people preoccupied, um, I don't know, six months from now, 12 months from now? Yeah. Uh, one area that I think they came up strongly this year, obviously coming from this whole Lock4J thing, is a software bill of materials, really. A lot of people uh, and, and the companies, uh, they've built their processes entirely on uh, utilizing sub software components they don't necessarily know, they don't necessarily understand. And it was clearly demonstrated over the last period of time is that uh, you cannot rely on open source maintainers to kind of like, you know, to do their thankless job essentially for free all the time. And uh, it, it's going to force uh, people to really pay attention 
you know, it's like, well, what is my software built on? What will happen if some of the components cannot be updated? Or uh, for example, if they change and, and, and it exposes you to thinking more towards understanding of what is my environment like? How, how do I make sure that I have resiliency? How do I make sure that uh, I have the ability to maintain it, patch it if something happens? Mm-hmm. So it exposed a lot of things that were like dependencies that were kind of always there, but they were not really front and center. They're not really visible. Uh, there's an excellent infographic sort of flowing around that shows a big tower of uh, things built on top of one little um, straw, essentially, <laughs> and that straw being that uh, some library that somebody built somewhere, right? And uh, that's that's one of those things that will kind of be a new theme, and it's going to be a very large area of focus in, in the future. Uh, the second thing, second theme, I would say that's going to be heavily prevalent is identity management, right? Identity management, I think, is going to be an area that will be keeping quiet up for quite a while because a lot of compromises uh, and attacks are tied to essentially exploding your credentials, right? And if you don't have a good understanding of um, where all your user accounts are, how they're being used, who has access to them, how do you control them, your termination, onboarding, outboarding procedures, you're making sure like you rotate the credentials periodically. Those are areas that uh, a lot of organizations struggle with. And I think that's going to be a recurring theme uh, going forward for quite a long time, because uh, that's an area uh, where you have a lot of cascading effects. If one of your account gets compromised and the uh, attackers have ability to move laterally or vertically within your organization, depending on the access levels, and it just escalates from there on. And, and, and obviously, that ties back to how the originally compromised. So phishing will continue to be a sort of recurring theme. Uh, ransomware, I feel like it will it will still be around, but it's going to move backwards a little bit. Uh, I think that the helping hand there was the government has finally gotten enough and start stopping the financial flows. So the motivations for the criminals are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And I think that will kind of slow down the pace of that a little bit. Um, uh, the IoT is going to be another area where people will need to keep an eye on attention. I think Honestly speaking, vendors do a fairly poor job of <laughs> upgrading patching devices and, and making and sure they're secure. About, so, are you talking about like cars or cars, pacemakers, um, you know, critical infrastructure, like those kind of things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there has, there will be more focus on that, and in terms of organizational focus, obviously, because you have more things around, your perimeter is gone. So, I mean, you have people connecting all sorts of devices all the time. So uh, th- those are the things that will kind of keep people still up at night. Mm-hmm. So kind of those, sense. some of those areas, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, um, kind of switching gears a little bit, I just want to ask for mm-hmm. your feedback on, on Afinia. Well, at, at, we're, I'm super psyched right now. We have uh, just over 1,400 members. So we're pretty excited about the growth, but we continue not to take it for granted, anything for granted. I want to make sure that we, uh, we're we building not just an audience, but also a community. And uh, in this regard, we're kind of very interested in, in hearing feedback. Um, so in, in, this, in this regard, if you were to say, I mean, I love Afinia because how, how would the sentence, how would you finish the sentence? How would it, how would it what would you say? I love Affinity because it's, I would say, non-intrusive. And, and, and I mean it in the most positive ways where uh, I enjoy getting and actually, you know, getting emails say, like once a week with the summary of all those things. And, you know, it gives you one quick glance. You look over it, you enjoy looking at it. And like, you know, you see 
how people are tracking changes. Yet at the same time, you are not getting this feeling where it can't constantly be pressured or spammed or doing all those things. So for me, it's a positive. It's, it's a kind of like a new source and uh, an area where you get to connect with people where you don't experience a lot of like kind of like, you know, pressure. You don't feel the whole aspect of like, you know, you constantly do check it every few minutes to make sure that what are the things that are happening. Um, one thing I do want to see more is in terms of kind of interaction between maybe some of the uh, community members in terms of like, you know, the forums and, and kind of keep it. Uh, there, there's really not, it's very fragmented, I would say, was an information security system. There was one community where there was a lot of people, but that fortunately they went defunct uh, a couple of years back. Uh, but it would be... Uh, uh, well, I was really enjoying uh, Peerlist, for example, was a community that was highly regarded, was an uh, InfoSec community. Um, and so something kind of like, you know, the forums were, uh, you know, there was a good breakdown between kind of forums where, you know, you have your vendors obviously pitching their solutions, but then you also have uh, access and, and ability to kind of like talk directly to your peers more, right? LinkedIn has this to a degree, but LinkedIn has a lot of spam wars, has a lot of this, doesn't really have good moderation, obviously. So th those are some of the things. So, so kind of like a moderated uh, community, I think it would be very beneficial in the long run towards kind of on the high end of security commission. I'm thinking kind of more of a director level and above, I think uh, would be very beneficial to have in the long run. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's actually a very good uh, piece of feedback. And do you think it would be more relevant just to, let's say, let's say you have a question and you would like to ask the community um, for feedback or input, do you think it would be more beneficial to structure it in a way that you will be paired up with uh, members in the same industry, same roughly company size, so that their experience would be more relevant? Or do you think it would still, uh, it would be better to have like a general feed and, and, and people just kind of sort through and, and filter the general feed uh, as, as they desire? Um, I would, would ideally speaking would be have best both options uh but probably the more useful one for me at least personally is going to be the second option where you have a general feed because uh, a lot of times you get perspective from people who are in different industries how they do things differently mm -hmm. and if you kind of always talking to people for example for us i work in a, uh, what is basically utility sector right even though we're in the mobility group which is a new space but we still kind of by and large our parent organization is utility now, utilities themselves, they have a very rigid process of doing things, which I don't necessarily think is always the best process of doing things either when it comes mm -hmm. to security. So, so I think having a, a variety of perspectives uh, would be better. So it's uh, uh, it would expose you to more different things, more, more innovation, more suggestions. And uh, a lot of times I did notice people have some sort of out-of-the-box ideas of how things should be done in terms of processes and what works for their organization. And I'm always kind of curious to learn yeah. more about that. It's, it's actually very interesting that you mentioned that because we're kind of going back and forth on the one hand, well, things that, that for example, if Chief Information Security Officer has a certain challenge he or she is facing, it could be sensitive information. So I uh, want to make sure that this communication is kind of private and doesn't go wide, right? At the same time, there could be other types of questions, for example, um, about vendors, right? So I'm, uh, I'm looking at a particular solution. There's 50 vendors. I want to, would you, who had experience? Uh, because I want to narrow it down from 50 to, let's say, three so that I can talk to them and maybe uh, do a demo. 
which is kind of more broadly uh, um, applicable to the entire community. So do you think maybe there is room for both? Maybe there is room for a kind of general feed, but also uh, more, more tight personal relationships with someone you know personally and you trust to ask kind of a more private question? Yeah, absolutely. I think both will work well. And and if the forum is kind of like uh, curated, moderated, and also if you have an ability to even sub submit uh, questions, maybe to moderator anonymously, right? You submit a question and then they deem the question appropriate, they can go ahead and publish it, right? So this way, uh, if a CISO, you have a question, you feel like, well, I don't necessarily want to disclose personal organizational details, but here's, but here's my question. I still want to ask it send it to the moderator and moderator looks it over and kind of says this looks uh, this looks great let's go ahead and submit it right. interesting uh, yeah. so, and so, so it's we're definitely i mean we the functionality is there it's on the it's on the website already but we're still mm -hmm. kind of noodling around how how best to launch it to make sure that doesn't become yeah. to, to your point not too noisy not just not not too noisy in a way that everyone is busy in putting out fires and dealing with all various challenges. We don't want to increase the information overload. So we want to provide value in the most uh, succinct form, I guess, so to speak. Um, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for your feedback. In terms of, I guess, the last question, um, mm -hmm. if, if you were to think back three months, six months, um, uh, what kind of vendor impressed you the most? Uh, do you want to maybe do a shout out like this particular vendor went above and beyond and, and you were surprised on the, on the plus side, how they, um, how they did. Mm, yeah, that, that's actually, uh, that's actually a very good question. Okay. Well, if, if, that's, if that's, yeah, yeah. We, Mitchell, if, um, that's, if, you, if nothing jumps on you, um, I guess I'll switch the question a little bit. Because we, we talked to CISOs a lot, and uh, and the, the last uh, mastermind that we had, uh, we we got pretty strong reaction um, when when the topic of interaction of CISOs and vendors um, was discussed. Uh, one of the participants said that they never they haven't picked up the phone in many years. Um, they they really kind of despise being hunted by uh, the getting multiple emails even if, if even if they have tried to unsubscribe so from that perspective um would you think if if you if you were to interact with a vendor what would be the optimal set of steps from your perspective um i think for for us in terms of like you know senior security leaders usually have an idea of what we want to do right so one of the things that kind of bugs me on a more personal level is that uh majority of the vendors, unfortunately, they really put all their information kind of behind paywalls, right? You have information seeing what they're presenting, right? So it's more of a, like, I do a lot of research, but I, like I go in, I have to go register, fake the registration so they don't spam me to death. And all of those steps kind of feel like an unnecessarily aggregation, particularly because everything is hidden. The pricing is hidden. How the product works is hidden. The demos are hidden. You, you get all sorts of power slide decks and all that stuff. So I think that's that's one of the major frustrations as a security professional is you, you really don't have a lot of time to deal with. I, I'm one of those people where I will at least briefly look at the emails. I don't necessarily 
blindly just hit delete button. I know some people just hit delete, 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 delete. So I do take a look at the emails. Uh, I occasionally come across some decent sales features, like, you know, where they say, look, we apologize. I don't necessarily know um, if this and this and this works, uh, but here's our solution. Maybe go take a look at the link and all that stuff. Um, so occasionally that does work. I mean, uh, I do pay attention to that. One of the, unfortunately, they has started a new fairly nasty trend where people just book meetings directly which I think is extremely counterproductive. And that just, in my book, that's just a black ignore and just delete emails right there. So hopefully that trend doesn't catch on, but I have seen it started to happen, right? So um, when, you say, when you say like calendar invite without any previous yeah. communication? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's, it's a new trend that hasn't really been that, that there, but uh, uh, for sure has started happening more frequently, I would say. But um I would say kind of, you know, just kind of open it as like, say something, we don't know about your environment. We're not sure, like, you know, it's like, is it relevant or not for you? But if it is relevant, here's some information, make it information sort of easily accessible. And I'll, I'll go ahead and if I like the product and if, it, if it's what I need for, I'll go ahead and submit my details. I'll talk to you guys. I mean, I, I enjoy learning about new products, uh, but just kind of makes don't... sense. If you, if you provide yeah, something of value, then yeah. if you give instead of asking uh, yeah. constantly, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, awesome. because uh, yeah, because we get the invites all the time. Give me thirty minutes that day. Give me thirty minutes on that day. Well, I don't know you. I haven't talked to you. And it's like I mean, I don't. And the, the worst part is that I don't understand what is the value proposition most of the time, right? So, so you're hiding the value proposition, and you're hiding it till the time you talk to me, right? And what's my incentive to take the meeting if I don't even know what your value proposition is, right? It's it, it's this logical misstep of uh, sales expectations and. Mm -hmm. And what we're looking for, and I perfectly understand that the sales development job is very busy. I mean, it's like in demanding, and I've done that sales myself. Well, before. you have a degree in marketing, so you early career. You I don't know how tough it is. Right. Well, you have a degree in marketing, yeah, so yes. I think you, you have it from both perspectives, right? Yeah. So, so, so I understand it, but just yeah, just be upfront about your value. Say, look, we're doing this and this. We're a SaaS subscription service. This is our value. If it's relevant to you, let me know. If not. Or have some sort of yes or no buttons on your emails. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> For goodness sake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's, my, that's my wish list. I mean, yes, no, that would just make life so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Anatoly, again, thank you so much for taking mm -hmm. your time for this. Um, I think it was, it was awesome. Um, I certainly, uh, as I mentioned, will post it shortly on, on our YouTube channel and uh, certainly hope we'll, we'll see you again soon.